way back when, when you were backing uh, groups, probably before um, Eric came along, did you guys actually back uh, Disco Tex and the Sexalettes at one at one point? Disco Tex, <laughs> oh my god! Well, you have you have done your man. Your you've homework. done homework. Oh my god! <laughs> Get dancing. Uh, Get wow. dancing. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna tell you what. I mean, that came about. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I have seen this guy on Johnny Carson. You know, because uh, anyway, the guy's name was Monty Rock the Third, and he was he was Disco Tex. Okay, okay, Disco Tex was kind of like a, a a character in the in the record Jet Dancing, mm-hmm. and uh, and we met this guy. I mean, within a week, it's funny. <laughs> It was one of the many people, yes, yes, we backed them up. And, uh, okay, we backed them up. And I'll tell you who else was, uh, okay, one of the background singers was uh, Jocelyn Brown, oh, yeah. who sings uh, One Night Love Affair and all of that. Christine Wilshower, and I'm trying to think of the other one. Uh, but, oh, wow, you know, that wow, that's a long time ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> See now I got the cobwebs. You're picking forty years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean we uh, we went to Mexico and played behind this guy. I mean, yeah, you know, wow. I mean there were times we were in places where everybody spoke Spanish. And we were the only people that spoke English. So we would ha- we would have Monty go around and uh, let's just say let's say interpret for us because because we didn't we didn't know. But uh, yeah 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 we. Monty Rock did a whole lot of we went we went we went all through Mexico and all with Monty Rock. He he was he's one of the first time it's funny because we always talk about it. Playing with playing with Monty Rock was one of the first times we, we went and did shows internationally, you know, which was a big thing with us, you know. Like, that, wow. that must have been fun. You know? Yeah, yeah. It it was fun. It was it was it was kind of stupid sometimes, but it, it it was fun because, believe me, we could play anything all night long. But long as we played, oh my goodness, long as we played his hit record, oh goodness, and you know, you know, and he would do it in Spanish, do it in English, and all. But it taught us a lot. It taught us a lot about flying around hotels and all, and other thing. It was right. it was a, it was a good experience. And hey, he paid well. <laughs> You know, what, what, remember he what, was there anyone uh, on the scene in the late 70s and, and early 80s when you guys were both part of the band that um, you were really, you know, enamored with and admired and kind of was keeping your ear to the ground what they were doing and, and you know, was among your favorite other artists that were out there at that time? I like the Gap Band. The Gap Band was great. They were, they were like True. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of people that had little funk records and stuff. They were, they were great, but uh, you know, you know, you know, consistently during that time, I Sky. was a Prince fan for a minute. <laughs> Sky, yep, yeah. Randy Muller. And Sky, sure. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sky, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I forgot to bring up. I wanted to definitely mention because uh, it's part of the reason that we got together for this was you know I recently had on uh, Mick Murphy and and David Frank from the uh, system, nice. and you guys yeah. have a a cross history. Yes, we do with Michael Murphy, sure. Yeah, so so he was your your. Yeah, so what what role did each of them play in your your uh, clear history? 
okay, when we when we first met Dennis King, and uh, one of the one of the people that Dennis King grew up with him was was Mike Murphy, and um, and at that point, uh, Mike was our road manager, and it, uh, we had a road manager and we had a and we had a, an, a, an equipment guy coming, and those were like the two first people that we actually started paying. You know, you know that 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 weren't on stage with us, and uh, and and Mike was a big help. You know, you know for a lot of things. Now, uh, now David, David was one of the couple of key, keyboard players we had, and he came in and he was playing keyboard for a while, and uh, and we were all doing you know you know very well. But Mike was uh, Mike was uh, you know for about a year year and a half, Mike was our road manager. And, and all stuff. And Mike was a guitar player. Mike had his own band, Jack's Ass, too. We knew we knew all that. So like, so like I say, he 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 was a great road manager because he knew what a band needed, and uh, he basically helped a, a whole lot. He made things happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he made things happen, and uh, and and he was one of the guys who basically, like I say, he was he was part of what made Clear work at that time. You know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were you su uh, surprised when they blew up as a system? You know, when I when we first one day one day we were on the bus and him and David Frank said, "Hey, look, man, me and David, man, got this little record, man. We want we want you guys to listen to it." And they and they put on what what don't disturb this groove or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they and, and the best thing we told them was like. Hey man, good luck, man, and see you on the charts and all the stuff. Cause you know it was a hit. We you just knew uh, that you just knew that tune was a hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. We you always told Mikey, "You got it, brother. Go, go do your thing." And to tell you the truth, you know, and he did. You know, we were God proud of him. We were, we were proud of him. It was like, okay, yeah. great, man, no yeah. problem. You know, man, that was that. So it was it was more of a a a good thing. Cause see, like, cause see, like we had. We had all gotten together, and and we all and we all knew what we wanted, and we knew we knew Mike wanted a career. Yes, like, he did. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, and that, and when they put that together, I told him, I said, man, that that sounds good. It sounds different. It was it, it had a different sound to him. It was a real straight techno sound, but it worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked really nicely. So, Mike was uh, yes, our road manager for a year and a half or so, and he was um, he was getting into the thick of things, learning. Learning the business, uh, the ins and outs of all around the business, you know, on stage and a lot behind the scenes. And I believe that helped mm -hmm. him with the system. Yeah. Well, at that point, I mean, come on here. He, he already had an accountant, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he already had a lawyer. And, uh, and uh, basically, like I said, he'd, he'd been working with, with our people, too. It was like, it was, it, you know, it was a whole thing. Okay, great. Now we, now we got Mike Murphy and them as, as artists. And we were like, I don't, I don't know, you know, you know, it really wasn't about ego, man. We were, we were happy for him. And oh, absolutely. There's no ego there. It was just, yeah, go, um, man, go. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, and he deserved it. He deserved oh, it. Hell, Mike, yeah. Mike and them, they worked hard. Mike, Mike, Mike is a good guy. You're definitely a good man. Mm -hmm. You guys never uh, ended up doing any shows together? Not no, with me. Uh, as a matter of fact, well, let's just say around the time that the system really started doing well. And uh, we were we were doing other things. We were over in England and all of that. And then, like I say, later on, like I say, things fell apart with Clear too. Yeah. 
I want to jump back for a minute to um, the peak of the group when you guys were really humming along. Um, you talked about that camaraderie and the collaborative environment and spirit of the band. Mm -hmm. As far as compositions go, did uh, a lot of the songs just uh, come out of like sort of jam sessions together or did people go in their corners and then bring tracks in or, you know, how did that work? Both, 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 both. I'm going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, because this song is like, oh, wow. What, like affirmative move that I feel as though it, it, it all happened in the studio one day. I, I was like, wow, you know. And then there were songs that, um, you know, you know, like other, you know, like and individuals would be working on and they would bring it there, you know, and the songs always end up being a little different, you know, you know. Yeah, affirmative mood, affirmative mood was originally a piano thing that I did. And then I was looking for the, the guys to put their thing in on it. And uh, then they put the string, essentially put the strings on it. And uh, it was totally different from where it started, but it turned uh -huh. into this big orchestration thing. It was like, wow, that really is quite a, a piece at this point. You know, everybody had their hands in on that one. Hmm. See, see, that was the whole thing. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess, you know, maybe it went, it went down differently in other groups, but we, we didn't, we didn't really take a song too seriously. We, we would get in the studio, see how it was done, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you'd go in the studio and you think one thing is going to be a hit and then you listen and you, you hear something else has emerged. Right. So like I said, yeah. there, there really wasn't a lot of ego at, at, at first, but slowly egos got in it, which, of course, I, I, I feel as though that that messed things up. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, you know, it was like it, at first it was like, hey, come on, come on, guys, let's just do this, you know. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you know, and. And looking back on on things now, I'm I'm gonna be like, I I that's where I think us having some management would have helped. You know, with us trying to deal with the business and all this stuff, egos got into it, and all. And uh, huh, you know, say at a bad time when we weren't making any money. Of course, you know, you know that's that's all it takes—an argument here and there, and that's our clear probably. Well, I'd like to give uh, kudos to uh, Norman Durham because uh, a lot of things on the. Um, the winner's LP, he would come to me and say, Eric, I'm looking mm -hmm. to get this type of thing in this section here. And he he was rather proficient uh, keyboardist. I'll, I'll say that about Norman. Mm -hmm. And he, he had a mindset for um, putting putting down simple parts and have them very exacting. And then he, he would embellish it with another instrument doing another intricate part. And they would blend together in such a way that it mm -hmm. opened the tune up to whatever they were. And um, it was magical. So I, I would like to give a lot of uh, kudos to yeah. both Norman Durham and uh, uh, Woody Cunningham. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they did, they did a lot of the, the meat and potatoes. And then uh, Rick and I, and Terry Dolphin, the ladies, uh, Paul Crutchfield, uh, we, we did uh, a lot of the floral end on it. And uh, you ended up uh, coming up with these wonderful tunes that simply got recorded. So it was, um, it was a group effort, but uh, a lot of the things, from my recollection in the studio, Norman Durham would come to me and show me this type of thing, this type of thing. He would ask me, Eric, what do you think for sound-wise? And I'd program one of the synthesizers, the Oberheim or whatever, the Moog. 
mm-hmm. and come up with these different sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this type of thing. Oh, okay. And I manipulate the board and try to, yeah, that's it. So uh, that was fun working with Norm in, in that respect. So a lot of stuff was in the studio, but a lot of it, like Rick says, it was open to group interpretation. And that's what would go down. And when you start, you're listening to it in the cans and you're, and you're recording and you're listening to the playback on this, you know, we'd be in the studio in the master control room, listening to the playback. And we're like, okay, we have something here, <laughs> you know? So it was, it, was, it was a magical time to be in the studio and things happen like that. So um, I want to ask each of you, which are your two favorite clear songs and why? Mm. So I'll, uh, <laughs> Don't start with me. <laughs> I'll start with Rick then. Oh my God. This is a story about a guy who saw green, greener pastures, stepped on over and tried the greener grass and found out it wasn't as green as it was, you know, you thought it was. And he came back to the woman who he loved. Okay. That's one of my favorite clear songs. Now, wow, as far as thinking of the other one. Okay, well, I'll go with the other song I I, I like. Um, Next Time is For Real. Uh, the one with the, uh, um, uh, Norman did a little synthesizer voice. Oh, the vocoder? Yeah, huh, the vocoder. You know, you know, you know, for some reason I like that song. I just like the the you know the background. Maybe the next time, the next time is for real. You know, you just <laughs> you just promising the woman you love the next time you make me mad, I'm gone. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, those 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 are two of my favorite songs. Yeah. You like uh, the relationship songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know. So that give uh, you enough time, Eric, to come up with yours? Well, I have a disadvantage here. I, didn't, I knew this, this um, uh, interview was coming. I would have had my albums out so I can refer to them on the side, the names of the songs. So I'm at a disadvantage there because that goes back 30 years, unfortunately. But um, you mentioned one before, although I'm not on it, I cover the horn parts. Uh, Open Your Mind on the first album. Um, rather, a, in my mind, a jazz-influenced tune. And... Um, I just love the, the message of the song and uh, the flow of the song, the, the intricate melodies of the thing. I, I, and I enjoyed playing soprano sax along. I uh, just love that song. And working the strings, uh, when I come back uh, to my uh, instruments and uh, the end of the song, it's just I'm, I'm working two or three keyboards at once, keeping everything going, using sustains and whatnot. And, um, it was It was taxing to play, but it was also fun to play. And uh, to play the soprano sax solo was very nice. That was one. Um, the other thing, I um, mm-hmm. License to Dream, I liked the message in that song. Uh, uh, that, that particular song uh, had a good message for everybody. And uh, that's what I, again, I'm sure you can understand uh, the positive feelings I have for Clear, that everything that they we did with the vocals and message was always on a positive note. I enjoyed that. Uh, something fun to play, I'd have to say, Die Klierting, man. <laughs> Die Klierting was fun. And Die Ting continues. Um, where it's yeah. Mostly, a lot of that is all me on Oberheim and Midi Moog and whatnot. Um, that was just, they were just fun tunes to play. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Do you remember um, from your time on the road with the band, is there any like one 
gig that just leaps out to you for one particular reason, whether it was, you know, tripping on a wire or the crowd or whatever. I have one for you, Scotty boy. Wait till you hear this. Rick, I don't even think you know this one. We, were, we just, we, we just uh, played over in um, the Cow Palace in Bakersfield in L.A. And uh, where Prince opened for us. Now we're coming back. We're playing um, the Capitol Center in D.C. Uh, mm -hmm. We played uh, Radio City Music Hall. Mm -hmm. um, I think we were the, if I'm not, from what I remember, I think we were the first live act to play Studio 54, which was a really interesting place to play. But oh, the, the place that caught me was at the Capitol Center in D.C., and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Nobody told me this was going to happen. And I'm going out there in open, with open your mind. I'm, I'm strutting around with my soprano sax out to the front. I'm playing away. And if you know in those arenas, uh, they're sports arenas. So in the center, they have that big screen, this four-sided screen. It's probably 15, 20 feet diameter, each screen. And I'm, I get out there, I start playing, I'm looking at the people in front, and I'm getting some eye contact, and I'm going up, and you see where it goes up, you know, just little dots, and then it disappears. So it's packed house. Mm -hmm. And I'm playing my horn, and I, I look up, and there, they got me on that television screen from <laughs> the bottom of my horn on up to my, my head, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm here. this is what it's like to be here, huh? And all of a sudden, the reality of me, hello. You're playing. <laughs> get back into the moment. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And I, get, I have to get back into it. I, I, it's I, like surreal, I, right? I, I, I looked away from the yeah. screen. I, I kept playing, and then I finished, and I strut in the back again. But that particular <laughs> one, like falling over wire, that was my falling over the wire. Seeing myself on that doggone screen, I was not expecting it, and it took me way off guard. Did, did you miss a, a note or a beat? Because No, I, I, I stayed it in on task, but it, it, quite frankly, scared the tar out of me. <laughs> it, it, it caught me i was like oh god it's like yeah. wake up son get back into it and i just like oh, okay pulled myself back mm -hmm. in and, and went on and did the chore but um that that was one i will never forget that was 30 years ago i'll never forget that time <laughs> yeah but that was fun it was fun mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go Radio City also. I got to say, Radio yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, Radio City was Radio wonderful. Radio City was wonderful because my Woo. father uh, and my mom were both uh, alive at the time. My father passed away about seven years after that. But my father did anything for me to get whatever I needed. He was working two jobs. And if I needed mm -hmm. a keyboard, I needed this. He made sure I had the best sound for the money. And mm -hmm. Dad always came through. And to be able to have Mom and Dad see me play Radio City Music Hall, that has frankly been the pinnacle of my life at this point. Wow. Uh, amen. That's my, that's, my proudest, that's my proudest moment, to have mom and dad see their son play Radio City. Yeah, awesome. Oh, man. Rick, Thank do you have any other uh, tales from the road? Well, well Radio City, I'm going to tell you, was one of my, I mean, just before the show, I was so stressed out, I I, I thought I was almost going to fall out. I had brought a brand new amplifier. The amplifier was working great. I think I'd done maybe two shows before. I got to Radio City, and the thing would not come on. And I'm sitting there, and it was all the other band's equipment all around, and then we had our stuff there. And the guy wanted me to hurry up because they wanted to 
there were there's a little part of the Radio City um, floor which has to come up, and uh, you know, you know, and they wanted to test it, and I was in the way, and I could not get my anyway. Come to find out that whatever plug I was using didn't have the power that I thought, but that was one time. I mean, I was there, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, as long as it took me to get to Radio City, how in the heck can this amp? <laughs> I mean, I had $100 in my pocket, and I was ready to go to the other guitar player and say, man, here's $100, man. Please let me use your amplifier. I was seconds away from it. A little bit of anxiety, huh? <laughs> got the amplifier on. You know, oh, scared me to death. I think I lost 10 pounds. I'm going to tell you, Radio City, uh, that, was, that was one time when I really felt the pressure of things. And I was like, I said, boy, here I am finally at Radio City Music Hall and this amp will not come on. And I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. Anyway, anyway, make a long story short, it came on, we played, and, and I didn't fall out. <laughs> you both kept yeah. it together yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. That's, Ooh, that's, that's some kind of way. Some... That's the mark of a, a pro right yeah. there. Um, mm, 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 mm. So anyway, but yeah. You know, I think we've uh, touched on it, but just to make it as clear as it can be. Um, yeah, you said clear. <laughs> if someone asked, um, you know, what what made the clear sound unique, the clear entity unique, how would you describe that sonically? Hmm. The individualness of the personnel within that group at that time, playing what they played with the enthusiasm that they used playing. Yeah. I'll go with that one. Yeah. Well, to put it another way, though, if if a band was looking to cover clear songs, mm -hmm. what do you think they would need to do? What ingredients to capture the essence of, of clear? Vocal harmonization. The vocals. Yeah, good, yeah, good harmonies. Good. I mean, good harmonies wow. and competent keyboard players to to cover the parts. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I don't, I don't want to brag, but I, but I have heard, especially over in England, I've, I've heard other bands try to cover clear stuff, and. Uh, I don't know. I really think you just need to sit down and listen and see what each, you know, each individual is doing. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you know. It was definitely you, a collective, Scott. Yeah, it, it was collective. I mean, I mean, really, because if you took a part or two out of it, it, it would sound totally different. A lot of it. Do you feel that the group has gotten uh, its due recognition, you know, back at the time and also through the years? No. Oh no, 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 uh, 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 no, no, no. And I've talked to a lot of record people who felt that way. I mean, at that time, Atlantic was doing a lot. They would, they would, you know, trying to push a lot of groups, but it just seemed like, you know, like a lot of time their their promotion department only went for so far. That was our big argument with Atlantic Records, their promotions, how how we got promoted, how we got this. You know, and um, 
you know, of course we were right, but it doesn't, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, being right is not enough, you know, to be with a record company. You know, you have to be selling a lot of records. You know, but yeah. I, I, will, I will say one thing about Atlantic, though, they at least did release a lot of 12 inch singles on you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had talks with Atlantic because at one point, um, you know, I mean, I mean, right now at this point, you know, you know, it's like record companies are so strange. I wouldn't even know who to call for, you know, you know, you know, but uh, Atlantic Atlantic to me at some point, like I said, they had a big change in the, in the area, especially as, as, as rap music took over, you know, and mm -hmm. I just feel as though that they didn't know which way to go for a minute, mm -hmm. you know, and then clear, clear just kind of got lost in the sauce, you know. Yeah, that was, I think, universal for all the labels at that time. Did, um, speaking of rap, how, how'd you feel about all the uh, sampling and, and so forth that, you know, the clear tracks ended up being recycled by so many hip hop people? Um, as samples, yeah, as as samples. Okay, well, at you know, at first, at first, I was like really against all that. I I think one of the first people that sampled uh, this record tonight was a was a guy uh, what what DJ Quick. You know, and at first I'm you know you know I was like eh, I don't I don't know about these guys sampling. But of course, what what won me over was uh, as our royalties were starting to go down, these uh, sampling guys were starting to sample stuff, and uh, that was helping out the royalty check. So I I, I kind of changed my mind on it, <laughs> you know, and I went to the whole thing of uh, uh, you know trying to, but you know trying to duplicate something or, or or simulate something that you did was was more of a compliment than a than a than a bring down, but. Yeah, you know, I must admit the the money from the sampling kind of won me over. Yeah, it took a, it took them a while to get that strained out, but I think most of the acts feel the same way at first, kind of outraged, and then when the checks rolled in, it's like, yeah, well, okay, it changes it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you know, on, on some level, you hope that maybe people will hear those samples, want to go back, and and at least check out the origin and the original. I think well, that happens know, I mean, for the most part. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I always thought that, uh, you know, if, if Tupac had lived, it would have been really cool for us to do a show and play and play and play the record that he sampled. And uh, because that because that was like, you know, like I kind of like Tupac a little bit. It's like as far as some of some of the rappers and, uh, you know, him, him and, uh, you know, like a like one other guy was just to me, to me what really really made me start liking rap music a little bit a little bit let me no no no, no I'm, I'm not gonna say i like rap music i liked tupac okay but when but when tupac did uh the sample you know you know you, you know and it's so funny you know you know you know california dreaming and all of that we we looked at all that and the checks that came in for that were just like oh that kind of won me over <laughs> you know yeah that's a that's okay. a good track mm-hmm yeah. Mm -hmm. So to get us uh, sort of uh, up to date in a hurry, um, the '90s were the, Clear did some shows in the '90s, or what? What transpired as far as the Clear entity '90s until recent years? Well, in the uh, in the '90s was uh, that was the England time where we where we did 
you know, a few shows, a few shows in England <clears throat> and all around there. And we were always supposed to come back and do more. And, uh, but that was a time when we were really just, you know, just trying to look and see what the next best thing, you know, you know which was going to happen. You know, but the main thing was happening, like, well, you know, you know, you know, we could do shows and stuff. And we went over to England and all because, of course, they would, you know, they would pay your way over. And uh, if we needed extra musicians, you know, you know, you know, we would have to rehearse with them. But uh, a lot of times we, we went over and we did, you know, the extra musician thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, you know, you, you know, the money, you know, you know, you know, I must admit the you know, European money was good. It was good. It just didn't last very long, you know. And then a couple of the uh, um, original guys are no longer with us, uh, unfortunately, um, passed on. And so when did you sort of um, look at getting things, the gang, or at least the remaining gang, back together again? And, and where's that at now? Okay, you know when something won't leave you alone? You know, you try to <laughs> run away from it, and, and, and you turn around, and there it is again. And when you're not talking about it or thinking about it, here's somebody that you don't know. Bring it up. You know. Uh, okay. You know. Needless to say, I you know had to get a job to to pay bills. But when people on your job start going on the internet and they Google my name, and clear would come up, and then I would get I would get no rest. The spirit was just with me. It's like you know, I it it wouldn't let me go. You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I know there's an old movie where the guy says, it pulled me back in. Godfather. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried to get out, but it pulled me back in. So that's that's where I'm at now, you know. And then again, too, you know, in my mind, I still think of myself as a musician. You know, this is not a nine, nine to five body. I had found out the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Once a musician, always a musician. Well, had you guys been in touch touch at all, or when did you rekindle the contact? A little, a little over two years ago. A little over two years ago. I approached them, and uh, they were receptive to it. They were thinking about doing something, and then I threw my hat in the ring, and um, it's kind of grown from there. We're doing uh, Paul and Rick will come out to my place. I have a little makeshift studio here now it's actually turned more into a studio because i understand how to use the doggone thing but we had this fella uh, uh andrew uh uh was it was it dragus uh yeah. and we used to go to greenpoint uh, uh greenpoint over in uh, right yeah. overlooking yeah. the hudson uh, the east river there and we go to the studio and we put some tracks down there and um he's out here by me now on long island but uh you know, we've been working as much as we can. We get together. Sometimes you don't see each other for four or five weeks because of uh, other duties that have to be done. But we get together and uh, as much as we can. And it's been actually been more recently. Uh, the tail end of this year, we've started, uh, especially Paul's been coming out to my place uh, probably like every other week. So every couple of weeks we see each other and put more down on ideas and uh, just to, to hang out and get that camaraderie thing going again. And, uh, where are you now in your life? And so you, you have to have that intermingle thing to make other things yeah. come through. And that's yeah. happening now with uh, the three of us. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, 
which is now, I think now that the, the holidays have passed, and uh, un unfortunately yeah. I had another situation that the, the lead person passed away of pancreatic cancer. And I watched that over the two years since he was diagnosed and he just passed away about two months ago. Uh, so that has been extremely difficult for me, uh, musician. Right. And, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm, now it's time to move on. And uh, with, with the clear thing, I think we're really on, a, on, uh, on track to uh, do something. This is probably the year that we'll actually start putting some stuff out there. So uh, our fan base, both old and new, will start to hear some things from clear again. And uh, mm -hmm. it's time to make people happy, uh, make us happy, because we, we like making happy music, uplifted music. And let's get people there out there go. dancing. Let's get people out there dancing again to clear. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of my Amen. goal. Yeah. That sounds like a new campaign hat. Let's get America <laughs> dancing. How about I that? like that one a lot. Let's get dancing again. Yeah, it's a good campaign. Yeah, yeah. Let's have um, fun, folks. So I, mm. I just want to mention for viewers, uh, the Paul you're referring to is Paul Crutchfield, who we had hoped would be on this call, but wasn't able to make it. So definitely want to give him uh, the full credit there. Yes, he, he yeah, tried, but he couldn't. He was very frustrated. He says, I can't do it, guys. Go ahead and do the interview. Technical difficulties. Yeah. That's all right. Really wish, you know, we'll do this again, uh, Scott, and we'll have Paul along. After you guys get the new music out, yeah. Okay, we'll do that. You yeah, know, yeah. When we're ready to throw there something out, go. we should get a hold of you and say, okay, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, how's it uh, for you being back in the fold again? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, you know, it was always like a part of my life, which I never talked about. And it's funny, like I said, the guys at work have made me talk about it. And now, and I, and I'm working with, you, you know, guys at work and, and I have a couple of young guys who are trying to be producers and songwriters and all, and they're, they're asking my advice. And, you know, I find myself talking about clear and music more. I mean, in this last year, then I have talked about anything else at work. So it just lets me know, you know, that, you know, let's just say the groove will find you. <laughs> it will, man. It will. You try to run away from it, it will find you. It's where you belong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, you so, know, hey, look, we, we, we all did dumb things when we were younger, you know. And uh, hey, at this point, it's like, okay, come on, let's go on and get back and do what we should be doing. Man. How about that? <laughs> when we hear the new music, do you think we'll we'll know? Hey, this sounds like clear. Or you know, one thing that a lot of bands do is when they make a comeback, they try to pick up on some current trends and things like that, rather than maybe sticking with you know their foundational sound that people identify with more. That's one uh, of the interesting things you should mention. And that's one of the refreshing things about Clear. Because with, with Kick It, it's reminiscent of us when I was with the band, okay, up to yeah. around 82. That particular uh, rendition of Clear, the nine piece, it's like we're taking off from there again and continuing forward with that trip. And the stuff that Paul and Rick are kicking in, it's, it's so flipping clear, it's ridiculous, but it's not trying to be trendy from today it's just it's it's just like we've taken off from back then and continuing now and the music is timeless 
It just works. It doesn't. You don't have to. You can't. You can't say enough that um, I don't know how to. Th- be there are yet. there are some things that are that are strict. That yeah, that's that era. But there's just something Maybe. about the the way that we're putting tunes together today, with cl- the the present day clear. It just it's clear, and I don't. I, it's very difficult to explain what that means, Scott. But it, it's what I'm hearing is just continuation, clear continuation. In fact, I threw it out there at one point. It says we'll call it with a continuation with a K. Clear continuation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely got to have a track on there somewhere that has a triple E at least. Oh, hey. Well, it does. Yeah. Kick there it. You go. <laughs> yeah, kick it. <laughs> it has, it's it's K I C C C K. Kick it. There you go. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, well, I think it sounds like you guys are going about it right because uh, chasing the trends is not the way to go. No, no, no. I'm not, I mean, I'd rather I'm, be a trendsetter. I don't want to be a trend follower. That's a, yeah. To me, that's boring. I'm, I'm, yeah. We're just doing. We're doing. Clear's just doing our thing. Perfect. Yeah, that's Beautiful. A, Can't wait know, to hear. I don't, it. I don't know how to be anybody else. You know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Exactly, Rick. Yeah, we don't know how to be anybody else. else. We're just gonna be clear. You know? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. So, um, how can everybody keep up with Clear and uh, know new music? If you guys are going to do some shows, everything. Uh, well, Rick, go ahead. There's a, there's a Clear website. I mean, um, it's Facebook. Yeah, it's easy. Just go to Facebook and type K L Triple E R, and you will get it. There's actually you know, a couple sites there. If you just Google the word clear, it'll take you right to our website. Very, very easy. Yeah. The key is spell it correctly, people. That's it. Yeah. Spell it right. <laughs> Put the three E's in there, and you're, you're on your way. And with a K, not a C. Uh, make that K, not that C. A. See, I, I always thought the three E's were for excellence. <laughs> Thank you for that. Scott. Uh, uh, you know, I thought it looked good spelling. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Well, after that tequila you were talking about, you yeah. Purple, thank you. Know? you. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hey, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, guys, I appreciate so much you spending so much time with the Truth and Rhythm audience and uh, fans old, fans yet to come. Thank you so much for all the great music you've given us all through the years and much appreciated your generosity of time and uh, your gift of music. Thank you to you both so much. Thank you very much. It was our pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Scott. Ah, yes. Another unfortunate story of a wonderful band undermined by oversized egos and record label shenanigans. While clearly laid down a host of frothy disco and dance club fare, as well as an assortment of nibble R&B nuggets and competent soul ballads, there's also about two albums worth of first-rate funk to be mined in their catalog. Here's hoping the new material leans toward the latter. Each thanks again to Richard Lee and Eric Rohrbach for sharing their abundance of highs and a few lows of the great clear. Also, sincere thank you as always to you, the viewers, for continued interest in truth and rhythm. Much appreciated. Speaking of which, if you don't already do so, be sure to subscribe to the Funkistuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm resides. You'll get the show in advance of everybody else. And we also have quick um, quick takes of Truth and Rhythm episodes, all kinds of great stuff. So 
Subscribe, you'll never miss out on any of the funk, R&B, or jazz. And tell friends and family to do the same. Also, write me. Send me email at scottg at funkandstuff.net. Let me know what you like. Who else you'd like to see on the show? Just rap about the music, you know? Uh, share experiences you've had with me. I love it. So you'll find that I respond very quickly if you do write in. So it's worth your time. With that, as always, Scott Dr. James Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. 